Good afternoon, it's, it's Pam again, Pam McKay, and I've got Wendy again. Hi. And Wendy's going to ask some more questions for us. Yeah, I, um, I've been reading one of your books, um, and I think it's your first book, which is very interesting. Only halfway through. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a fast reader. But um, how did you come to write that? How many books have you actually written? I've written round about oh, 23. Um, how I wrote, wow, I started. I had a near death experience a long time ago, and I was told to go back by this lady. And she was called, she was the lady of death. And she said that she promised me that everything would be fine, that I would live a new life and never have, have to go what I went through again. So I didn't want to go back. I screamed and swore and did everything I can and begged on my knees. And the next minute I was back on the table. Um, but as she said, she did, they did change my life. I've had a wonderful life, absolutely wonderful life. I didn't know about the gifts that she said that I would, they would give me. I didn't understand at the time. It would have been maybe three, four years later, it could be a little bit more, and I was sitting at the um, kitchen, kitchen top and writing a list to go shopping. Um, and I got as far as bread, butter, and the bloody milk. I couldn't think of how to write milk. So I sat back and was writing with pencil. Now that was unusual. I couldn't find a pen at that time. And there's normally, we've got bloody hundreds of pencils in this house. But I found a pencil and I wrote with pencil. And then all of a sudden, I couldn't get myself together. My mind just wasn't going right. So I was laying back on the stool and kept my pencil in my hand for some reason and then took a deep breath and I thought oh that's okay and come back you know to the bench and I thought what hell what happened there I'd scribbled five five pieces of paper there was there's about five stand pieces of paper some I couldn't understand but that would have been the first part of me learning to write and I read this beautiful story about the soldier and his men I thought, Jesus Christ, I'm swearing in here. Um, I couldn't have written that story. I'm, I'm useless at writing. I'm absolutely got no mind for writing, reading. Never had very rare read a book. But I read this story. Anyway, I sent it to my son in England. And he said, Mother, how the hell did you write that story? And I said, oh, I don't know, because I didn't want to tell him. So he said, I'm going to send this story off to the RAF centre and see if the things that you've said is fact. And it was all about the bouncing ball. So I sent in about three days later, I had this guy phone me and he said, how did you find out the information? Where who give you the information? Well, I'm gonna tell him I'm talking to a dead man because I, I don't think he's gonna believe that. So I, I'm thinking, God, what am I gonna say? And then he said, come on, he said, this is, a lot of it was strictly private, you know, you, it was classed with a stamp that nobody knew, the Fahrenheit's and how the airplane came in and they had to precisely bounce three times before it, its destination. Um, and I, I said, oh, I said, look, I said, 
I was I told him I was talking to a dead man and he said can you describe him and I told him he had this flat thing on his head and these things flapping at the side and he had this woolly short jacket on and he kept pulling clothes but his problem was he couldn't get the camera and the camera had vital information he'd taken the pictures but he hadn't got back because his plate had been shut down but his last memory was getting those pictures back to his unit because there was open that that would break the wall so um he thought i was bloody marvelous he did and i think thinking god but what's going to happen here so that was the first story and then i connected to a guide my guide's called fred and he i said will there be any more and more stories like that he said hundreds pamela hundreds I said, you're bloody joking. And he said, hundreds. And then I sat down at the office one day and I started scribbling. And my bloody pencil wouldn't stop writing. And I wrote one story, two stories, three stories, four stories. I'm thinking, God almighty. Um, and I'm just writing one. And I must have written that day about 30 stories. Really? Beautiful stories, all short stories. Each page only covers, I think, one to five five pages. But in them pages, they say who they are, what they've come for, what they're doing, give a message, and they're gone. But you get a lot of information out of one story, don't you? So, sorry. Yeah. Are these memories that come to you when you were writing, or is these what the, your guide told you? Well, when I first started writing, I was writing by what I called automatic writing because I didn't really know what I was doing. But as the stories went on, um, and I had I had this gentleman one day uh, come and sit on my bed, and I was in the shower, and I heard somebody whistling, and I thought, Christ, is somebody in my house? And you know, you panic, so I just pull the curtain back, and he says, he comes, and he said, but he stood there with a cigarette in his mouth, Hold an X, chuck it on. And of course you grab for the towel, you think, my God, you know, what's going on? He said, he, he quieted me down in a lovely way and he said, I've come to tell you my story. I said, can you see me? He said, no, I can't see you. He said, we can't see you when we come through. All we can see is like a shape, a light mist. I thought, oh, thank God for that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's, so I was all right. Why probably tie around me, drag myself, and he's sit there. He's laying on my bed with one leg up and smoking a cigarette. But I couldn't smell the cigarette. So it was all right. And he said, they've given you a very difficult task to write and trying to listen to them and write at the same time. I said, it's virtually impossible because somebody's talking and you're trying to write down. You don't get every word. So he said, I'm going to teach you my way. Oh, I said, okay. So he sit down, he pats on the bed. Just close your eyes and take a deep breath. Can you hear me? I said, yeah, I can hear you. He said, okay. Then he said, now he said, we're going to do it on the computer. I'd only just started using the computer and I used to sing in my earphones. So he showed me how to do put my earphones on, get a piece of paper, cue into this thing that you talk through. And of course, when he was talking to me, 
I was writing the bloody words down. It was the most unique thing I thought, how the bloody hell did I do that? Mm -hmm. It's not until you finish the story and you went like that with his cigarette. He said, now I've taught you something, now there'll be no stopping you. And I thought, my God, what an easy way to write. So now it's called Catching Memories. So what I do when people come in now, I, I see them, hear them and feel them. And then they allow me to go into their memories. And their memories and my memories get in somehow, I don't know, really 100% works. And then they dictate their story. And all I do is talk their story through. And sometimes I'll lean forward and say, you did that word wrong. You should have said that word, not that word. Because everybody, when I'm listening, I get people that turbulates the, the language that I'm using. But most of all, if it's a real Yorkshire person, they break the languages up. If it's Irish, they talk completely different. Um, so sometimes I tend to go and write how I hear it. Yeah. But I'm not, they, then the interpreter comes through and says, you got that word wrong. Um, and, and, and the swear on the story, and I said, oh, I go and try and mark it off. No, 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 you leave that bloody word in there. You know, the, is it the swear, swear when they're living, the swear when they're dead, the swear when they're in the memories. Yeah. So, um, so I, did that answer that question? I did notice in the different stories a different language that you were using yeah. in there. I could definitely tell when you were writing in England yeah. because they talked about fields, not paddocks, like here in Australia. So yeah. um, I could hear that in, in the language. It yeah. was interesting. There's, there's, some, there's a few stories. I, I think the hardest story I ever written was uh, about four little, um, four little boys that come from um, Nigeria, somewhere like that. And there was talking about listening on the railway line. And I wasn't given a name. I was given uh, the young the youngest boy, the oldest boy, or, or the middle boy. And because they're all telling the stories, I got me so confused. And I said, I'm going to have to put a name to you because it was a big boy said to the little boy, and he's telling the story. But it turned out such a comical bloody story I just really laughed at the end it wasn't a laughable story but it was the way they all come through and telling us how they all died um, so there's a lot of stories that come through and when I used to put pen to paper the tears used to fall on the paper and I wiped the tears away to carry on with the story because I can't stop a story halfway through I've got to start and I don't stop until the story's finished. And the tears are coming up and I'm thinking, oh, am I going to cope with this? If somebody's dying, they're telling you all about it. Someone's leaving someone behind and they're explaining how hard it is to leave someone behind. And I'm feeling all that um, energy and, and whatever. And, you know, <laughs> trying to get my eyes straight. But I would never, the stories are there to be told because that's what needs to be told. Their stories need to be told because although they've a long time gone across, part of the soul is still here because it's what we call the weeping soul mm. because it remembers the things that they really want to talk to somebody about and let it go. 
Yeah. And that's why it's good on earth when we talk to somebody and we tell somebody something. It's like if it makes you feel better. Well, they unburden that to me. I put it on paper. But every story they tell, we I learn some. I learn how they passed over. I learn why they passed over. But they also tell me about the other side and explain about things that goes on over there as well, like the questions that we'll talk about all the way through. Um, I've got hundreds and hundreds um, of answers for people, but I just need someone to ask the question. So I don't have plan to live a long life or whatever, whatever you call it, but I have got a lot of knowledge that's just sitting here in my brain or on my computer it needs to be out there. You need to educate people that there is life after death. What do you do with all the emotions? When you read, look, I know, I've been reading yeah. your book. You can't help but get emotional when yeah. you, you read this stuff. When somebody's telling you, what do you do with that emotion after you've written it? As soon as I've written it, somebody puts a hand on my shoulder and woof, it's gone. Oh. It's like um, the feelings like, a thousand violins playing some of the old in your time and saying, you know, oh, everything's fine, you're okay, get ready for the next one. And it's like the wipe the slate clean and I'm off again. Do we all have somebody to put their hand on our shoulder? All our loved ones are always behind us, and that's the sad part. We'll talk about that part. In the next part now. Okay. Okay. Thank you for listening. You. We're going to wipe you off again and we're going to have another go. So, off again. Hope so. Here we go. <laughs>